Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is for you. This is your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrods Podcast, brought to you by Risky Outdoors and Prime Archery. We have a pretty, pretty, pretty good podcast for you today. Um, I was excited to get this person on, and I felt like they should have been on a while ago. Um, it's actually, I'm biased about it because it's my wife, and she is one of the best hunters that I know. Um, she's going to come on, talk to you guys about elk hunting, uh, whitetail hunting in Illinois, and hunting in Michigan, and just kind of how she tries to share what she does. And she really does talk to ladies and try to get more women involved. So at the end, she kind of leaves her contact information. So if any of you guys want your wives or girlfriends to just explore and kind of hear it from uh, a woman's perspective, I strongly encourage you guys to reach out to her. She leaves uh, some information on how to do that. Um, and you can pass that along and just kind of the gear that she likes i know there's not a whole lot out there for for women and she would love to break that down and talk to each individual person on what she likes how it fits all that good stuff that girls like talking about so um but yeah we're not gonna waste any more time on this intro we're gonna get into it as she just kind of talks deer hunting and her experience all right this person needs no introduction but i want her to go ahead and just kind of give her like a little bio about you. Wow, so no introduction. Wow, put me in the spot. Um, well, my name is Cassandra Risky, the better half of Mr. Jordan Risky. Um, I've been a part of Risky or since the inception uh, and gotten to see it morph kind of over time. So Jordan and I have been dating and together since I was in sixth grade. So we grew up together, our families grew up together. And um, I joke that I married him because of his land that he had. So um, I grew up in a small town along with Jordan in Concord, Michigan. So where they closed down school and opening day of deer season. So that's always been kind of a part of our community. And I had some friends, obviously growing up, were always really big into kind of cleaning deer and helping track them on opening day, but never really hunted myself until I was dating Jordan and realized that if I wanted to see him in the fall at all, <laughs> I had to go there with him in the woods. And that's kind of how it all started. Um, but then when I actually started taking a bow out myself and shot my first deer ever, my which was actually a buck with a bow, I was kind of hooked at that point. And actually now I joke every time he asks me to hunt with him, I kind of say, no, I actually prefer hunting by myself because it's kind of the one time that it's quiet. And the truth is Jordan is a talker in the stand. I talk, but I whisper. But it's literally the entire time. Hey, hey, what you, how about this? Oh, and she's lying. I do talk a lot in the stand because I just, it's fun spending time in the stand with you. But it is a time that we get to kind of take a break <laughs> from each other and do our own thing and... Yeah, so so tell me like what was your what was it like that first your first bow hunt like with me when you harvested that deer? It allowed I guess for so the story or the feeling? The both. Okay, first the, the both. First, first the story. Give us okay. a story. So I was sixteen years old, had just gotten done with an all day volleyball tournament and was exhausted. And that evening we were going out. Um, it was in October. I can't remember the date. I think I had just turned 16. It was early October. Yeah. So I had just turned 16. So it was probably the week, probably around October 12th, 15th timing. Um, and the the story has two different ways to go. My, one story. <laughs> my story is that I literally was just relaxing and I closed my eyes for 10 seconds and Jordan nudged me saying there was a buck. His story is a little different. Sonner was sleeping. <laughs> Anyways, set, set the stage. Like, how are we set up? So, and would we ever do this ever? No. Looking back, this is the stupidest yes. idea ever. Um, that was it. Was not the safest setup. So we were actually in a single stand. It was not a double stand. Ladder was, stand. Yep, ladder stand. I was on the seat, and Jordan was sitting on the footrest um, of that ladder stand. So it was definitely not a great setup. Um, do not recommend it. We're obviously incredibly proponent of safety and making sure you have all their equipment and using the equipment as it's intended to be used. Um, but we were young and dumb and that's kind of how we were hunting. So he's sitting on my feet. He literally elbows me and says, dear, dear, dear. And I'm looking around frantically and little do I know it's right underneath us. Literally almost <laughs> like touching the, the base of the ladder. Okay. My feet are on the top rung. My sitting on, cause I'm sitting on your feet. Yep. 
Let's not get carried away. It wasn't right under us. Into How far my... was the shot? Somewhere around 10 yards. No, like five. <laughs> In my defense, shooting straight down an animal is actually very challenging. It is, so, it is hard. So you know what? There you go. Um, so anyways, and so drew the bow back at a massive distance and uh, shot the deer. We watched, we watched him run, and I couldn't watch him far enough to actually watch him fall. Jordan was convinced that he saw him. And uh, so we called his brothers and everybody. We kind of knew exactly where he fell, but we wanted to make sure we were going to be tracking it with them so they could all be there, part of it, and seeing it. And uh, came up to it, and they're like, this is it. I'm like, no way, that's not mine. And then I came up and saw my pink fletchings on my arrows, and so we knew it was my buck, my first year ever. And it's interesting, um, you know, I had a whole new respect for the animal and for hunting in general because... Growing up not hunting, you kind of have this notion that, one, it's just easy because all you see on the highlight reel is just the shot and the kill and that's it. Um, but then actually like kind of going through the process of field dressing the deer, you know, actually making, keeping all the meat ourselves and packaging it ourselves and going through that process um, gave me an incredibly amount of respect for hunting in general, but then also the animal. Definitely. So after that. It was a nice was Michigan 11-pointer. It was a massive spike. When I say massive, I think it was like five inches each. But I yeah, was tickled to death. That's why it's a Michigan 11-pointer. Oh, I get it. Never heard of that before. Yeah. So it was it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in the woods. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. I was, I was hooked. We're a little more detailed now, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. But it was on a, a family farm. It was pretty small. It's like a 40-acre mm-hmm. chunk. And... Yeah. I knew this deer was in the woods that we were sitting on the edge of because in that morning before Cassandra's volleyball tournament, I went out and this deer walked underneath me and went in the exact same spot that he came out that evening. And it was Cassandra's, yeah, your first year I got you a bow that, probably like July or August maybe. The good old alpine. You yep. should see how technology has changed <laughs> since 2004, 2005, whatever the year was. Yeah. No, so that's how it kind of all started. So then we got married in... When did we get married, Jordan? 2013. Yeah. 2013. <laughs> and from then on, we, we hunted Michigan for a little while. Yeah, my job when I when we first got married, I traveled quite a bit, so I was gone most weekends. So I didn't hunt a, too much until really actually moved to Chicago. To be yeah. honest, we hunted we hunted some friends up here on the west side that you had oh, yeah. from work yep. that we hunted a little bit, not a not whole much. lot though. Mm-mm. But we did sneak out there a little bit. But ironically, yeah, we really started getting in like deep into hunting when we moved to downtown Chicago as ironic as that may sound it um it was a transition for us but (laughs) we made a point of it to get out every weekend Mm -hmm. just to get out of the city we live downtown yes like Jordan said he was a polar bear in the sandy desert in the sandy desert you got it yeah. yeah, so that's actually um, when I first got my bow was it had been well the the latest I had a Matthews Jewel bought yep. it in 2015 I think it was so I think I you know the Alpine served me for almost 10 years yeah before we got the upgrade it's pretty amazing of how much technology can advance a bow that's for sure so that's kind and of we, that was my next story we changed because we were planning an out west trip and we knew yeah, that you right. had to have a little yep a little more zip yep. Apparently, uh, pulling back not that much weight is not the best option. On a bow that was kind of obsolete at the time. Yeah. Served its purpose, but to go out, out west and hunt hunt some bigger bigger animals, such as an elk, was uh, a little a little too much for the old alpine. <laughs> but... No, so we started going down to Illinois. Yep. Did you shoot your... Did you shoot Buster that first year? Or second year? Second year. So the first year we went down there, um, I think it was, we didn't start going down until November. And so I shot a doe my first year down there. and Oh, yeah. And yep. it, it literally died <laughs> underneath. So we were sitting on this small parcel because we didn't know the landowner really well. And we're just kind of getting getting to know Mike, the OD. We got to get him on yeah, here sometime. Oh, yeah. He'd be great. He's an Illinois guy. And OD stands for Outfitter Dude. That's Outfitter, been his official yeah. title. Yeah. Um, 
it's not an outfitter. We just <laughs> no. call him the outfitter dude because he, we, there's a big group of us that come in and hunt and we get after him and making sure that our stands are ready, food plots are planted. <laughs> breakfast is on the table. Breakfast is on the table. We're going out and getting some Mexican food every night. And we just we just make sure that he makes sure that we're all taken care of. So that's how he got the, the old name, the outfitter dude. But anyway, so we're sitting on a small small chunk of this piece of property. Cassandra texts me saying she just shot a doe. And then it was like 20 seconds later, the Mike, the OD, sends a group text and said, thanks for ruining my haunt. I'm like, oh no, what did my wife do? And he sends a picture and his deer's laying dead underneath him. Yep. Which made for easy tracking. That was the good thing. I, uh, I feel like I am known for shooting deer and basically having zero blood whatsoever until you find the animal. So it's, it, I'm kind of notorious for that. So actually it was pretty, pretty, um, good work that it at the beginning anyway yes exactly so that was kind of the very first year we hunted down there because it was really late and then the next year is when buster when i shot buster okay so cassandra yeah so year two well year that year we went out west correct yep Yep. so that was our first year we uh did kind of a diy public ground um, that was a pretty, it was funny. We, like everyone had said, they're like, Hey, if you don't even see an elk, like that's, that's the expectation you should, you should have. Like when you go in public land, you know, it's, you're putting on a lot of miles on foot. We're not obviously able to be scouting throughout the year. So you kind of go in blind, you have an idea based on water source and, um, but where we were planning and where we were scouting out, unfortunately, um, there was a huge, I think it was a it was burns. No, it, it burn? burned. It got burned that okay. year. Okay. There was oh no, there was a there was a hunter that was that was lost. Oh and yeah. Then, well, yeah, the, first the first area was burned. The second area, yep, a hunter were, was lost, and they had and helicopters they had, yeah. and search parties. Yeah. The search parties, evacuation. So it's like the last thing you want to do is go to an area as you can imagine. The elk in that area were probably scattered, mm-hmm. and then wolves were an issue. Um, so that they were kind of at different elevations than they normally are. So there was a lot of moving pieces that were out of our control. And especially when you don't live there and you're not flying out there, you know, to Montana before the trip, you can't do that scouting. So you kind of make the best educated guess. And especially for those that have gone out West hunting, if they're not talking, it is really, really tough. And I mean, it's easy to locate them if they're actually bugling back, but if not, it makes it for a really challenging hunt. Yeah. Luckily we had friends out there that kind of knew like different areas, but the area that we went, out there with this friend of ours um he'd never hunted this area right because his whole plan was exactly where the burn was yeah the burn and uh, the first one was a burn the second area that we were going to go to the week we were heading out there there was a, a missing hunter they never found him no never found the guy but there was grizzlies in that mountain range as well the the range that we hunt now there's no grizzlies supposedly a lot of black bears. We see a lot of black bears every year. But don't worry, we carry bear spray because I'm sure uh, as people that are from Montana joke that that's just like the salt and pepper that you add you know, <laughs> yeah. to your food. So I don't know how effective it is. We've not had to use it yet. Hopefully, no, not black, we never Black will. bears are a little different. They're pretty skittish. Until stepped, you get in the middle of them and they're in the cub. cub. <laughs> I almost stepped on one our yeah. year two, two. Year two out there. Mm-hmm. Literally, Cassandra is like, there's bear scat. And I'm like, ah, oh, it looks old. And it was laying in a berry patch, yeah. and we were steps away mm. from him. But anyway, so we, we got on elk our first year. Second year, we got on well, elk. First, first year, first day. Yeah. So literally, we were kind of going into the, the trip with people saying, hey, don't expect to even see elk, you know, as a DIY. The chances, I think, are less than 3% at that point for archery and public land. Something like, it's pretty Six low. Six or three, I don't remember what the percentage is. It's like 16 or 13 is the state but that's statewide but then once you get down to public it's a lot smaller yeah so anyways first day it was pouring down rain and of course us being the new hunters that we had we were not equipped with the right gear so why would you wear waterproof boots (laughs) out to montana it's a great question um so we literally left and it was pouring down rain like torrential downpour and it's like five minutes into the hunt and my feet are just sopping wet and we like, had like black rain gear from walmart yeah it was Every actually was like, it was like a poncho yeah, it, was it was like, like garbage bags it was terrible it was like swish swish <laughs> yeah, there was no sneaking up so anyways we actually it's really foggy obviously bad rain and we kind of hunkered down made our own little cover for a while and jordan i think you actually moved you're like i'm just gonna go walk around and you actually got on some muleys 
Yeah, saw some melees, yeah. and then we find out that can't shoot bucks in that range. Exactly. So we we saw a lot of really good bucks. Right. We just couldn't hunt them. Yeah, so we started moving, and then all of a sudden Jordan bugled, and we heard one bugle back, and it was close. Real close. And so we got set up, fog kind of lifted, and so Jordan was calling behind me and kind of up on this this ridge kind of. Yeah, there's a side um, hill. And we see this this elk. Again, this is first day, first probably three hours. Yeah. So we see this elk come in, and it is running at us at this point. And Jordan's got the camera. And it, mind you, he's probably, what, 40, 50 yards behind yeah. me? Calling um, while filming. And it comes in. And again, first year, so you're not familiar with how often you're able to encounter elk. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns at this point. And... Uh, my max going into that, I think, was 40 40 yards, yards yeah, 40 And yard I max. ranged it at 43, and I just... Jordan, you can... It's funny, the film that we have of it, he's like, pull back, pull back, shoot, shoot. Why isn't she shooting? Why isn't she shooting? <laughs> and he just wouldn't come in. He stopped, dead stop at 43, looked the direction where Jordan was, turned around, and went away. And I've never felt so sick, especially because he just beat me up. Jordan beat me up pretty good. He's a really intense hunter. But he, kudos to you now, like... Your max was 40, he was yeah. at 43, and you were just like, I wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Like, at the time, yes, I was frustrated because <laughs> I knew that this was going to be, just starting out day one was rough. And I'm like, man, this is this is going to be a long week for you. Yeah. Because you got sick our first day when we went out there and we just hiked just to get acclimated with it. Oh, yeah. And you got really sick. Yeah, the elevation sickness is real. That's yeah. for sure. I so, was nervous. So Cassandra gets sick on our, like, day one we land and we went out for a little hike. And it, and I knew, I'm like, oh, no. Because usually it's, like, days to recover. Mm-hmm. And I knew we were getting right back after it. And then yeah. within three hours, she has an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I did not capitalize. And that was the only opportunity we actually had on the entire hunt. Yeah. We saw so, a lot of bulls, but on private. Yep. Or just really too far away. Too That's far a hard away. thing with within bow range, you know. And a lot of the places that you hunt are so thick that it's like, hey, a, a bull might be 25 yards away. Yeah. But it's through the the woods where you can't take a good shot where you're going to hit branches and trees. So yeah. we got close. We learned a ton, though. I mean, it's funny thinking of, like, even the gear we brought out that first year. I mean, your your pack that we had was, like, yeah. the camping Pack I had a that huge you, frame a pack. massive frame pack, and you just kind of get smarter as you go. And it's each year, you know, if maybe it's you know it's interesting because in the next year I think it was where they did not they did not bugle at all while we were there. No, but we saw them. So we, we saw elk every year. We did the DIY stuff. Yep. So it's uh we've gone what five years now. Five years, yeah. So five years, and so two years ago, our fourth year going. Well, you missed a cow. Our last year That's on right. DIY public. Yep. So year three. Year three. Year three. I missed a um, a cow, and that was on film. So that was yep. Jordan likes to rub this in that I you know that was my second strike, but I actually let an arrow out, just didn't hit it, completely yep. missed, just completely. I think I <laughs> ranged it off, or I think my pin wasn't set right. It was a nightmare. So that one haunted me as well. It did not work out well. No, and then. Year four, um, we had contact to go out with a group, um, Big Sky Guide and Outfitters. And I like to think of them, what I love about them is it's almost like a hybrid um, guide because they, you know, lease this property, but they're really, really good about, um, you know, letting you kind of hunt and attack the hunt and approach it in your own way. So we were very adamant that, you know, we wanted to be a little more aggressive on our hunts and get a lot more ground in and not as much sit and call, but more of going after it and being aggressive just because at that point it was, we had gone there three years and realized that you have to be aggressive and you have to go hard and go early every single day because that's where you usually reap the rewards. So, um, that year, Jordan, the last day of the hunt, we got close every single day. But the last day, it was a... No, this was... We've been six years. Or five. Or did we do two years in public, three, and this is our third. Because the first year, we didn't see a single elk with Big Sky. Because it was so hot. And you shot your muley. Oh, you're right. Wow. Yeah. So we've done three years DIY, three years with Big Sky. Three years. Yeah, this was our last... Holy smoke. That's wild. So it's year... Year so th- year three, I shot a muley. Cassandra shot a muley at forty-four uh, yards. At forty-four yards. So our hunt will shorten this one. So our hunt, it was like ninety-five every day, and we weren't seeing elk. So we, it, we went out there and we both had combo tags, and it turned into a mule deer hunt. Mm-hmm. 
just because elk were in dark timber, yep. held up. They weren't moving a lot. They weren't bugling. Yeah. It was the area is unbelievable, but mm-hmm. we just it it was to the point like we're it wasn't. We just didn't want to chase them. Right. So we did spot and salt for muleys that whole Pretty much whole time. Week, yeah. And I uh, shot my first muley, 44 yards. That was a lot of fun. And then the next year, again, shortening this whole story, um, the last day of the season, we had all sorts of weather. We literally had pouring down rain, crazy hot weather. Hail. We had hail. And then the last day, we had a whiteout blizzard. Jordan shot a cow on that last day. And after he shot the cow... Um, it was crazy. His whole cams were built up, like a lot of ice and cracking. He's like, hey, draw back your bow and shoot. And I did. And my bow just snapped and broke. Um, strings blew strings, off. Strings. Oh, it was bad. Cams, everything. Yep. It and was, on our way back after Jordan shot the elk, the cow elk, we were packing this it out. This whole week, though, we were on bulls. Oh, yeah. We just, we were too low. We never got above them. And they were always... What we've noticed is cows or bulls always work up. You want to be above them and call them up the mountain to you. Because if they're ahead above you, you're not going to catch them. And we've realized that. So as as we've progressed as elk hunters, we've realized, like, if you hear a bull, get above him, get above him. Because you're never going to catch him if he's going over the top of the mountain. Yep. You got to cut him off that way. But we were on bulls every Mm -hmm. single day. No, Absolutely. So I think, um, so yeah, it was really exciting. And honestly, that last day, it was like one of those things where there was a cow finally came in at, how far was it? 20 yards. And Jordan looked at me and goes, should I shoot it? And at this point, mind you, we, I think we were on mile 83 on foot and horseback. And I looked him square and I said, you shoot that elk (laughs) right now. Like we want some elk meat. This is literally at that point, it'd be year five. So five years without, with elk soup. And as those that. Tag soup. Yeah. Yeah. Tag soup, not elk soup. Um, And it's very expensive to go out West and it's a big investment at that point. It's $1,200 a tag. It's 1100. 11. And mind you, everything that we do, it's double because I hunt as well. So each year adds up, and I think we did the math, and it was an absurd amount that we had spent in Montana. So um, I said, you know what, let's go for the food, and we can actually have elk and be able to, you know, supply food for our family and, um, you know, even our immediate families and friends. So so that was his hunt. He shot the, the cow elk, and then uh, my bow broke. And, of course, as you go back down the mountain, we got how many encounters? Oh, with my gosh. Bulls? It was like bull after bull as we were going down this mountain. And it was I mean, we went down. I mean, it was probably 3,000 feet that we went down. Yeah. And I bet we ran into five bulls it's that funny. we could have killed. Right. But that's the thing is, it's like when you're out deer hunting, right? All you see is turkey. When yeah. you're, it, like, it's it's so funny how hunting works like that. Like, even in this scenario where I, I couldn't shoot anything and I had a muley tag and I had an elk tag left and I couldn't do anything about it. It was the There's last thing no I hunt. No way you can shoot my no, bow. No. And you, and yeah, we actually, it's like he, his bow is too heavy and too long of a draw length. We tried to like push it down ourselves <laughs> to try to get the, the, get the strings back on. Nothing was working. So it's just one of those things that, you know, it also is a good reminder that there's so much out of your control when you hunt. And I was frustrated. I, you know, I'm also competitive, so I'm not going to lie. I was a little pissed that Jordan shot a <laughs> elk and I came home empty-handed. But I think it also is a good reminder just to take in every moment and the experience and the story and just remember of, you know, one, just it makes you want to come back for more. It is. It's like crazy. It's the hardest hunt that you'll ever do. Yep. It's, it's at least challenging hardest physically. hunt we've ever oh, done. Oh, yeah, because it's physically challenging. I've it's emotionally. Um, the altitude gets to you. Your body's exhausted. And the thing is, is that most people don't know is... You know, you're up at 3 a.m. getting ready for your hunt. You're hiking and packing in all day long. And we never actually went back to camp. We literally would hunt the entire day. So we got back to camp at, like, what, 9 p.m., had dinner. You know, you you didn't really have showers. So it's kind of, you know, you wipe yourself down and go to sleep for, like, five hours, and you do it all over again. And it's it's the most physically challenging, also, like, mentally challenging experience I've ever done. But also that's what makes it so much more rewarding. Yeah. So. So then... Last year. Year six. Now that we've, sorry to. So now we're caught up. Yes. And then we're going to jump back into Whitetail because Cassandra killed a very special deer. And yeah. well, she's killed a couple down in Illinois, but yeah. let's finish out coming. Yeah. So um, sixth year, uh, we kind of knew. So actually where Jordan shot his elk on that last day, like we mentioned, um, this mountain range, it was the furthest from camp. And like I mentioned, I think it was what, 10 or nine miles. You shot camp. yours eight miles. Eight miles out. So. We knew, though, based on Jordan's bull the year before, that's where the elk were. Mm -hmm. And so we completely changed our hunting where we said, you know what, we're going to kind of hunt 
basically hunt while you're traveling back there. But our goal was to get back there and hunt this for this piece of property. We're not going to leave elk to hunt elk. Exactly. You got it. So no. So we, if we we'd call on the way out there, if there were elk, we'd hop off and try to, you know, obviously like try to hunt them because we had horseback through a portion of it. And then you had to get off and, and hike quite a bit on foot. So we would kind of hunt while we were heading out there, but with the mentality of each day, we're going to go hard and long days to get mm-hmm. to this, get to this mountain range. Um, so we were into bulls and elk every single day. I think mine, so the very first day we got there, um, it was Sunday and we went back to camp and, um, they just got this new piece of property. And so they kind of said, Hey, do you want to you know head out there? We it's can like a big scout. cow pasture. Yeah. It's not that many acres either. Mm-mm. So like, Hey, do you want to come and we'll just kind of scout this new piece of property? And I said, yeah. And they're like, Hey, Cassandra, just grab your bow just in case. So literally we go out there. Jordan is in khakis from Costco and street shoes. He doesn't bring his camera, doesn't bring anything. He's literally like a t-shirt and khakis. Yeah. I actually, um, you got I, all your camo on. I got all my camo on cause I had just gotten, you know, the yeah. new Sitka camo. I was all excited about it. So, um, I had all my camo, grabbed my bow, didn't even grab my rangefinder. Like this is just really more of a, a scouting trip, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden we get there and mind you, I think it was what, 40 minutes of sunlight left of daylight. It wasn't long. Probably it was, an hour. It was after dinner. I did have my bino bevy because we were going to scout. Yeah, you had my, yours. And I had my range finder. Yeah, so, so yeah. I did not have my range yeah. finder. Um, so we're scouting and all of a sudden Jordan says, bull, bull. And it was on the mountain range probably, what, two miles away? Yeah, he was at least two miles away. With six or eight cows. And so I said, well... Let's go after it. And of course, at this point, you got to remember we're we've had five years of experience. So our mentality is: you see them, you got to go after them. Especially if you got an hour left of sunlight, like you don't have time to really, you know, really be slow playing it. Like you have, you have no choice. No, yeah, you got to go. Yeah. So we made a move and we sprinted through this brush of sage and through this cow pasture, and basically we we're sprinting to this ridge. Um, that there's a valley that it went up to this mountain. Yep, there's a river that kind of separated these two. It was in this valley. Yep. So I, I, I wouldn't call them mountains. They were just That's true. Yep. huge, like, hills. It, let me just tell you, it felt like a mountain. <laughs> that first day with altitude and you're exhausted from travel, I'm telling you, it may have been a hill, but it felt like a mountain to me. So down in this valley, there's a river separating. Yep. So think of, like, this big valley. We're on one side, river at the bottom. Elk are on the opposite side. I level with us at this time, exactly. by the time we got there. So Jordan starts calling, and this bull is fired up. I mean, I've never seen it like like he was just screaming at mm. us. And so we kind of made another move to get a little bit closer and he starts pushing these cows down. And I mean just screaming like he was not happy that another bull was getting closer and closer to his ladies. And so he, he was like pushing like that's what I mean. running oh, yeah. these cows. So he kind of was getting you could just tell he was getting fired up even more and more than all of a sudden he just starts like Jordan said like running mm. these cows down this mountain. Hill. Hill. <laughs> and so we made another move and Jordan's like, I feel like we're in the background spot. The way he's pushing them, they're going to come up through this little valley area and through these trees. And so we sprint across almost like parallel at this point to that river that Jordan had mentioned at the base. And we set up. And mind you, at this point, I Jordan has his rangefinder. No camera at all. So risk outdoors, we have to film for this. Zero camera. I had my phone, but when we sprinted from kind of going parallel, I, my phone was left there, a whole nine yards. So just like Jordan predicted, these cows start coming over this ridge. Like we literally get to this we sit little down. cedar tree. Yes. And we sit down and all of a sudden the first cow pops over the edge. I mean, literally we were one second from being busted. Yeah. Like legitimately. Le- legitimately. So yeah. one cow comes over and it's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Jordan range. She's like, all right, this tree line's at 40 yards where they're coming in is like 35. I'm like, this is absolutely perfect. Um, my range, my kind of max going out there was around 50 yards. It's kind of where I felt comfortable. I'd obviously shot out to like 60 and 70 yards. But yeah. Kind we of shot, what- we were shooting every day. Oh yeah. At 70 yards. Oh, easy. But yeah. we just kind of said like, obviously if, you know, what we're thinking is is this point, but obviously had plenty of experience shooting those longer ranges. So one, two, three, I think there were six or six, eight. I, I there were think six, there six cows, cows come over. And I'm like, this is it. Like I'm literally ready, you know, waiting for it. And then all of a sudden we see, we see his horn start to come over the edge and he takes probably four steps and starts moving in a diagonal way behind. There's a kind of a group of trees. Mm-hmm. He goes up into these trees and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I felt sick. I knew it was a lot further. A lot further than 40. I think yeah. when, we went, when we went back and ranged it, I think it was like 64, yeah. 60, 
six, somewhere right in there. I can't remember. It was yep. close to that. So literally put on, put my max pins. I think my pins were at 65 or 70. Yeah. Um, and so put the max pin and. I just drew- told Cassandra, I said, draw back, put it on the, put your right. pin right at the top of his back. Because I was also shooting uphill towards yeah. where he was at. And so mind you, I have six cows that when I drew back all turned my way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was broadside. And I mean, we literally were getting down to probably what, 15 minutes of light left. I wish we had a camera because this was literally, out of a, it was out of yeah. a mag. I mean, it was picture perfect. Like picture this beautiful mid, probably three to 320, six by six. This thing was massive. Cresting a hill, sun going down behind him. He's broadside. Cassandra draws back, and it, this bull just turns and looks at us. I mean, it was always take a camera, and I, <laughs> and I, I didn't. I, I know. we literally we didn't think we were gonna see bulls. No, we just went out there just to, yep, look just at this, just, just look. So I drew back, said a quick prayer. <laughs> And um, took a deep breath and then let it let it fl- let the air fly and and honestly it, we joke that it was almost like this rainbow because when you shoot uphill with you know with my pounds and whatnot we saw the arrow and it was it felt like it was slow motion because I think my heart was racing so fast that it felt like it was slow motion and we watched and it was absolutely perfect height I mean perfect it was I could not have placed the arrow better from a height standpoint yeah but it was far back it was far back far back far back far back yeah. far back to the point where didn't feel like it was lungs there's the artery that runs um yeah, I think it's called the femoral, femoral, the femoral artery, artery. Yeah. um and I'm like but it's a little higher than where Cassandra hit so if she hit the femoral artery this thing would have been yeah gushing blood I think she was just just below it. Yep. So, like, literally, the craziest part, though, is that when the when the elk, when he, when I shot him and he started running, well, we're on the top of this kind of open field at this point. So we're watching him run. All the cows ran down and took a big loop back to the right, back up that same, you know, hillside. Cross the river. Cross the river and back up to where they originally came from. But this bull elk ran 200 yards. Yeah. And there was one, like, bush in the middle, like, tree. Yeah, it was this big bush. tree bush, whatever it was, literally ran right to it and then just laid down. And so he ran 200 yards and bedded down. Yeah, exactly. So the hard thing was, since it was in the in the middle of this field, there was no approach to get to him. The last thing we want to do is bump him because we knew it was far back. Um, and I, there was no way to really get close enough to try up another arrow because you couldn't see him because he had bedded down underneath this bush. So we sat there and literally, I, you know, at this point, um, with a nocturnal because Montana had just legalized it the year before, two years prior, which was, I think it was, it was last year. It was last first year. year. Nocturnals it was the first were legal. year, which is great. I mean, I'm a huge proponent because of this is that you could literally, we watched the sun went down and you literally saw this knock sticking out. Like, you know, it's like he is right there bedded down. And so we thought that he just needed time that he was going to expire right there. And so we sat there for at least an hour. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pitch it was, black. It's pitch point. black, but you could see her arrow still sitting. Right. And we saw this elk bed down. Like it was it was light enough where we saw him run and lay down. Yep, absolutely. So then after that we just made a decision that we had to just back out and, and there was him. no way you could sneak up on this. That's ball. what I mean, it's in the middle of an open field. Yeah. So we we tried, we talked looked about every approach and every single one. We just felt like we would bump it. And you know, like I think, you know, Tiffany, you know, when she had cancer, it was uh, elk strong just because they mm-hmm. can run miles and miles on one lung. And so they're exe- extremely ex- resilient animals. Mm-hmm. So the last thing you want to do is bump this thing where we don't, you know, it, once it crosses back property lines, then you got to start, you know, talking to the landowners. And the last thing you want to do during hunting season is be bumping people's property. So went back, tried to eat, tried to sleep. I think I literally slept a half an hour. I felt sick to my stomach because... One, it's almost like this weird feeling of, did you harvest this incredible bull on not even day one, you know, like our pre-day, yeah. or did you shoot an elk that's an incredible animal and it's wounded, or you didn't make a good shot? The last thing you want to do is wound an animal. Yeah. So I felt sick. It was just the incredible amount of nerves. So next morning, we finally waited till the sun came up. We went out there, went to this bush, no elk, huge pile of blood, but there was not huge, a drop. Huge rope. Relative to what we're used to. Exactly. Like, elk have way more blood than a exactly. white tail. So, I mean, it was probably a 12 by 12 circle. 
Yeah, like but it was only in that circle, and there was That's literally it. not. So we actually did a grid search, and between the four of us, I think we square miles was not six or nine miles yeah. that we searched. I mean, we searched for this from you know sun up to it was at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and I, mean, I just felt. I mean, it's a weird feeling because you feel sick because you're like, man, I didn't put a good enough shot on it. But then the other part is that since you didn't see blood. We're pretty confident it clotted up, and it was basically a, a wound. And then and the, the actually, we were getting ready to leave, and the cattle farmers were coming out, and there was like six people on horseback because they were yep. moving the cows back towards like a different like feeding area. And we asked them, because that's who they were leasing this property from, if they would look for this this bull, and they said they would, so they covered a lot more ground than we yep. even did and we're up higher on horseback and at that end of that day they told us they were like we did not yeah there's no sign and trust me if you saw the horns on this bull <laughs> you would have been able to see it a long ways away yeah. so that was kind of day one and honestly after that you kind of feel defeated i mean you feel like man should i not be out here i was finally given the opportunity i finally connect on this bull it's been six years and mind you it's six years of a lot of money a lot of miles i mean it's i think we calculated it it was it was a lot. It's, you know, 500 miles or something absurd in it six years. So um, we grabbed some lunch and then had to kind of go back out. Um, and again, so Monday, this is Monday now. We went out and checked and, and ended up finding it. So then Tuesday morning, we go out and we just like have been so close to bulls, like so close over and over and over again. And finally went to one spot and these elk are just screaming at us. And we could tell that they were, were kind of like sitting up on this... And the it's top like a of this like bowl, bench. yeah, yeah, like a little bit like a bench that kind of overlooks this like little bowl, like a bowl, literally a bowl, a bowl, a bowl not a bowl. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, this bowl comes in, and it was funny on the film. It is the most cluster of a film because ironically, we started off and Jordan was filming, and I had the rangefinder, and I'm convinced that some his rangefinder is a different focus than mine. It's because Cassandra's blind. I am not. Um, my eyesight is not as strong as Jordan's and I wear contacts when I hunt and everything. Um, but so I couldn't range it. I'm like, Jordan, I can't see it. So then we switched cameras and he took the, he took his bow and the rangefinder. and I had the camera then and, but then he didn't have a shot. No. And so he didn't have a shot because we were sitting next to each other, but again, like probably like a, probably three yards. Yeah. Three yards maybe. Um, and so then literally I was, he was ranging it and he's like, I don't have a shot. I don't have a shot. I'm like, how far, how far? And he says, 53 yards and I'm like because I knew at that point like we talked earlier you know um had I knew my max was 70 but I was kind of like hey if it's around 50 I'm taking the shot I'm definitely taking the shot no matter what and so I literally like dropped the camera he picks it up I grab my bow pull back and it is the craziest shot it was not a good shot if you look at the film you can see I shot him really far forward because right at the last yeah like he like took a step and so I hit him the brisket when he jumped after I hit him, the arrow literally turned and literally went straight into his heart. I mean, it's literally cut his, cut the front of his heart. Exactly. So we saw him run for what, 20, 20 30 yards, yards, maybe. And he stands there and he's doing like the, the, the death wobble that mm-hmm. we, we all have known. And he's just kind of like doing the wobble and. Jordan's, of course, he's very passionate about hunting. He's yelling at me the whole time, reminding me of how terrible of a shot it is. And what you I can't just like overcompensated because her first shot was like way back. Exactly. And then the next day we shot to make sure your bow was on. Yeah. And it was. She was spot on. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's just like that rush and trying to over yeah. overcompensate. And I, the last thing I want to do is to shoot it far back against. So I shot it yeah. far forward. But what you can't hear in the video is Jordan saying, Cassandra, so far forward, though, so far forward. Such a bad shot. And I go, I know, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so we're whispering back and forth. And then, whisper um, yelling at each yes, other. Yes, absolutely. Whisper arguing out, uh, towards each other. And then he was actually going to go put a follow-up shot on it. So... I was, um, you know, pretty flustered at this point. So he's like, it's standing there doing the death wobble. And he's like, I'm going to go put another shot on it. So I start filming him trying to sneak up to him. And the elk see Jordan actually, I think you did try to shoot at it. I tried. And you hit a branch and mm-hmm. missed him. And so he, Jordan looks over this bull and the, the elk ran when he heard the shot. And essentially Jordan came back and I was like, I was defeated again. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done elk hunting. I'm, this is it. I'm giving up. And he goes, congratulations. I'm like, congratulations on what? And he's like, you just shot your first elk 
bedded right or you know first elk right there and I mean I just I lost it so obviously I was excited but he's like I want you to track it and everything else and so the arrow had an insane amount of blood like the blood trail for this thing was it was crazy like, it was wild you can watch the video on the YouTube channel and you can see her arrow impact there is no way it should have killed this bull but then I can't remember if I slowed it down in the video or not I can't remember but anyway you can slow it down on the YouTube video when, when this bull like takes, she shoots and so say the bull, his right shoulder goes forward and when his right shoulder goes forward, it throws the arrow. Right. Like almost looks like center shot it like head on, head on. And the arrow, when it throws forward, it literally cuts all the way across the front of this, this elk's heart and it runs off 20, 30 yards and yeah, done. Yeah, no, so it was, I mean, I was pretty emotional. Um, and I know it's funny, Jordan got really emotional on his, like even more than I did. I I don't think I actually cried, so Jordan beat me there. Um, but it's, it's because I think people that haven't elk hunted and they're like, why are you crying? Why are you emotional? Anyone that has understands the physical drain and the journey, the mental drain and journey. Um, I mean, it's six years in the making. It's an immense investment. I mean, it's a true investment and sacrifice. Think stuff like you miss. Like right. Gavin's first deer. Yeah. Addie's first deer. Like we're, we're in Montana getting ready to head into camp. Yep. And that was this year. Yeah. And my phone rings at like four o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. it's earlier or later back here in Michigan. And it's Addie like just static and I'm like what is going on I put my phone on speaker and she's telling us about how she just harvested her first buck with a crossbow and it's like you you miss a lot of stuff so it's it's more than just like a trip so for sure well and I mean like Jordan said that was the 4 a.m before we went into camp um our camp that we were at there's no running water no electricity no service so once you're out there you're off the grid um, so again, making that much more of more rewarding when you do shoot an elk, cause you just know what's gone into it. And you also know, I mean, they're massive animals. You know how many people it will feed to. Yeah. Sonner shot hers from eight miles from camp and then mine was thir- 13 yeah. miles from camp. So we got our, we got our miles in that week. So I shot mine Tuesday and Jordan could not let me, you know, uh, take home the, the prize. So he had to show me up and shoot a seven by seven on Thursday. Yeah. So I, the joke is that it's a good thing that Jordan can cook because I'm the one that fills the freezer and he's the one that can cook. But um, it's still the truth. He uh, he had a heck of a year last year. So it was he also hunts harder than anyone I know and is more passionate about the sport than anyone I know. So it's it's well deserved. But I always kind of like to beat him out a little bit sometimes, you know, <laughs> you're a better turkey killer than me. You shot one with a bow. I haven't. Yeah, but you. Yeah. But <laughs> See? You, you kill birds. Though. See what he does. Anyway, all right, so enough of elk hunting. So you killed your first deer with a bow. You killed your first mule deer with a bow. You mm. killed your first bull elk with a bow. Yep. Let me ask you this. Will you shoot a cow this year? Yes. Day one. Yes. Day one, you're going to shoot a cow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do know, though. I mean, it's such a hard hunt. Um there's no way. Maybe not shoot. day one. No. I was gonna say, especially if it's if it's as good as it was last year, probably not. Will you shoot a the, raghorn day one? Yeah. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. I will shoot the first legal bull. Okay. I just wanted. I was just checking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you kill your first bull. Now I want to jump in to let's talk because you killed a really nice seven point two years ago. In Illinois. A 13 point. But two years ago, you shot a seven point. Oh, yeah. Wow. Before that. She just, it all blends together when you kill so many bucks. No, I've shot, I, I, well, my first buck I shot down there, Buster. Yeah. Was that 11 or 12? He's 12. He's 12. Okay, never mind. 12 point. That was my first self, that was my first cell phone buck. That was my first one. That was actually probably. That was a pretty memorable hunt, but the one that Jordan had mentioned, the seven point, this thing, um, it was actually December, was it December 31st? Let's, let's go back to Buster first, because Buster okay. is before your seven. Okay, yeah. So Buster, Jordan had mentioned it was the second year we were hunting down in Illinois. Um, and like I mentioned, I actually, Jordan and I do not hunt together. We, um, you know, we both self-film by ourselves. Jordan actually usually drops me off into a separate piece of property. 
Well, this hunt, um, I actually hunted the same piece of, what, 90 acres? I wasn't on that property. Oh, you weren't? No, you're right. I was the I was, only one. Yeah, I was gone. So Jordan dropped me off. Yeah. And uh, I went out here, and it's funny, I um, it was November 5th, November 13th, November 6th. Sorry, November 6th. And so obviously kind of in the middle, start of the rut, and uh, I was in the stand, and I was getting ready actually to shoot this doe. So literally... This was in the morning. Yep, in the morning. And I've actually never shot a deer before that. In the morning, it was always evening hunts for me. Yeah. So... This doe comes out, and I ranged her. She was getting ready to come in the opening, and literally out of the corner of my eye, I see this. So what, set it up. So like, what? what's this? What's your setup like? So I am in a ladder stand, okay. and it's 15-foot ladder? Yeah, 20 foot? Yeah. Is it 20 foot? No, it's probably 15-foot 15 15 ladder. 15-foot ladder. Um, it's in this patch of woods right outside the bedding area. So it's surrounded by two cor- main cornfields, and then essentially their bedding area kind of butts right up to this woods. And there's a little bit of a riverbank that goes through this. Yeah. So she's on the south side of a bedding area. And the bedding area is on the north. So she's on kind of the southeast corner of a bedding area. Behind her is this big, well, at this time it's hay field. Yep. And then to the north of the bedding area is a huge crop field. Yep. And then a lot of bedding. And then we have food plots scattered throughout. So yep. she's on the southeast corner of a bedding area. You got it. So like I mentioned, I was getting to shoot this doe, literally about to draw back. And all of a sudden I see these branches start to move. And I look over and behind this doe, I just see horns. And it's, it's funny, like it's one of those things that immediately I knew it was a shooter. And so I get my camera ready. You know, I obviously had range all the spots when I first sat down. And she comes in and then he comes back and I didn't have a shot. And then he comes into my opening and literally puts his head down and starts eating. I turn the camera slightly and I have a, you know, all the, the cameras on those, um, the tree arms. Like camera arm. Yeah, camera arm. Thank you. You had a junk one at that time. Yeah, it was not good. And it slips and literally I catch it and the, the buck looks up, not at me, thank goodness. And I fix the camera while this buck is still eating. Literally, it feels like forever once it's, it's standing there and I draw back. And it was just sh- eating on like brows and raking yep. trees. Yep. And- yeah, doe's still right there too. So draw back, shot it, and great shot. I mean, I was absolutely excited. One lesson learned is I got so excited. I turned the camera on. I'm so I'm talking to the camera. I'm shaking. I usually do. I usually breathe really heavy. Um, and I didn't actually watch where the buck went. <laughs> I watched the general vicinity. And so when we got down, there was a little bit of blood. There was obviously blood where I shot him, and then there was nothing. So we scan the area and... And at this time, you were shooting a really... It was still a good broadhead. Oh, uh, yeah. The Trophy Ridge. Trophy Taker. Taker. Um, the... G. No, it's uh, the T-Shells. Yep. The T-Shell, the so fixed they're, blade. They're a good, a good broadhead. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, we kind of spread out and scan and probably 40 yards away. The OG, the landowner, Mike, starts yelling and we go over there and there he is. He didn't run more than... I think, 60 yeah, yards. 60 yeah, 60 yards from my stand, and it was a double lung shot, mm-hmm. wasn't it? So double lung Didn't shot. Didn't it pass through, though? No, no. It's actually, yeah, so not pass through. Air was still sticking out of him, and I was absolutely thrilled. I mean, I never shot, mind you, I never shot a buck bigger than my spike. Yeah. And with Michigan a bow. 11-pointer. Yeah, exactly. With a bow um, and all cell film. And those that hunt those film know how challenging it is. There's already a lot going on of ranging the deer, drawing back when he's not looking, you know, making sure that the shot is is right, but then adding in, filming the whole thing, I was on cloud nine. And to see Jordan so excited and everybody else, um, I was just thrilled. It was a good hunt. So, it sure he was, was a good buck. He was uh, Pope and Young. It was, absolutely. 137? 130? Yeah, something like that. So, And then, to your point, two years ago, um, I shot this deer. It was seven point on the last So the last then weekend. you switched broadheads. Yep. Because Center wasn't getting getting any pass-throughs. Nope. So, she, I mean, she was getting great penetration, just not getting two holes. Correct. And she switched. So she was shooting that three-blade fix. And then we switched to the Kudu, which is a two-blade single bevel. Yeah. And we just we just figured we'd give it a shot. And ever since then, you've you've not had, not had an arrow pass through. Exactly. I think the... Yeah. Your no, elk it didn't. I mean, right. I mean, that was just um, different. No, the first doe I shot with that, it was a pass-through. And... So I'll, a lot of does. Yeah, and I just, it makes, you know, 
mechanical would make me a little bit nervous just because of the weight I draw back to as a female. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit tougher for me. And I just, the kudus fly so incredibly accurate and I get pastures every time and, and the opening the hole and the amount of blood that they, they shed it's is, is crazy. It's amazing. So I will not be switching that. Um, but anyways, so the second buck that Jordan was talking about a couple years ago, it was two seasons ago. It was the last weekend of hunting. Neg- the wind chill was negative 18 below. I mean, I was bundled up. You should see the videos and the pictures. Sarah's like a she. It's so the funny. The Michelin Man. She is. Even this turkey season, someone commented on us turkey hunting, and you were like in your winter gear out yeah. there. I'm. I get cold really easy, and if I get cold, it's game over. So I mean, I've got I've got every cold gear thing you could possibly <laughs> imagine. Every gimmick I've tried. She's got um, everything from Sitka. That's literally they make for every a woman. item <laughs> for the female line I have. Um, they probably have more now, but. Um, so this one, it was a crazy hunt that night. I actually, there were six bucks that came out. So actually there were a group of bucks and the last one that came out was a buck I ended up shooting and just the height on this buck was incredible. It's a 30 yard shot. It was actually the very first time I shot and I heard him fall. He yeah. fell 15, no, probably 20 yards. I was hunting with my recurve. Yep. You were hunting through recurve on a separate piece of property. Mm-hmm. So I was on this patch of 40 acres all by myself and I heard him fall and I called Jordan like, <laughs> Big buck down, big buck down. I heard him fall. And again, I've never heard a deer fall before. Usually, one, I think, because I'm so excited that I, I rarely just sit and listen and watch. But I've gotten better, and now I, I know that. Experience. So, exactly. So I was thrilled. It was kind of the last last weekend of the hunt that I was able to kind of be able to, to harvest a deer, and I shot a pretty awesome buck. And it was on film, but actually not in frame, so not really on film. I can't really count it. No, can't count it if it's not on film. If exactly. you don't, if you don't get the arrow impact, doesn't count. He's Fail. A, he's a tough critic, guys. Fail. All right. So now, Michigan, you killed a pretty good buck last year. Mm-hmm. So run us through through that story, or do you want me to kind of lead up to it? Okay. Because I want me to lead up to it. So Phil is obviously one of our really really good buddies one of my best friends um talk to phil all the time and when him and i get together it's something happens in the woods we're just we're that yin and yang we get each other we work well together when we're in the woods so phil harvested a really good buck this year early and then phil wanted to chase something special he's after one specific buck and he invited me out several times to try to kill a deer. And then um, Andy ended up shooting a deer and hit it. We didn't. We think he hit it low in the shoulder with a with a gun. And the deer survived. And then ended up spending the rest of the time on Phil's property. Phil had a couple chances, like seen this deer, but couldn't really get a shot at it and then one day he saw it come into an area and was like Jordan it's going to be here tomorrow I went out there ended up having two primer light strikes on two different rounds (laughs) sorry I don't mean to laugh so we named this deer as cat because he's got nine lives Mm -hmm. literally because he was wounded before Andy shot him wounded him again then Phil saw him like four or five times and just didn't have an opportunity to shoot him I saw him had two primer light strikes. I saw him again after that, and he was out of range. So then, leading up to this, it's the last, it's our last time to hunt in Michigan. Mm hmm. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, because we were going down the next weekend to Illinois. That's right. Yeah. So it's like Christmas, right around there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phil invites us out to try to hunt cat again. And so Cassandra wanted to go. So we go out. Phil sets in one area, and there was like two bucks that we were after, a really tall eight, and then cat. So if cat came out, it was I was going to shoot him. And if this tall eight, who's a really special deer, came out, he's probably bigger than than cat, came out, then Cassandra was going to shoot him. So Phil set up in one area, and he's just so selfless in putting us mm-hmm. in like unbelievable spots absolutely and so we go out there and then yeah take it away homie so we're sitting there this is during gun season 
And um, so we're sitting there and there's a lot of activity. I feel like there's a lot going on. And we it took us how long to get out to that spot? It was a long time. Because we just we worked were, our way really slow. we worked slow. really slow because you're kind of going through an area that we knew... Um, you know, they were traveling quite a bit and even actually bedding down mm-hmm. sometimes. We didn't, the last thing you want to do is, is, you know, obviously bump them out of there. So we took us almost an hour to get back to the spot that we were actually going to be in. We finally set up and. It's right where Phil shot fudge. Yeah, actually. 58 inch deer or whatever yep. it was. So we're set up and we see a ton of deer basically through the woods and out into this field. I mean. It was a non-thick bean field. Yep. It's probably what, a hundred yards away. It was, yeah. it was a significant ways. Then all of a sudden we start seeing deer in the woods. It's getting later and later. And then um, there's a small couple of small bucks that came mm-hmm. in, a lot of does working through this woods area. And then all of a sudden Jordan goes, Cassandra, buck, buck, buck. And when Jordan gets excited when he says buck, that means it's actually a good buck, not a little dink. We thought it was the big eight. Yep. That was big eight. Jordan's feeling like, oh, it's a big eight, it's a big eight. And so I, you know, we had to wait a while for one for Jordan to get on film because his first camera dies completely. Yeah. Mind you, the buck is out there and I'm like, I'm about to say, screw it. You know, I'm shooting this deer. I'm shooting it. Um, not letting him go out. And then Jordan finally gets the other camera up and running. He was chasing a hot doe. Yes. Yeah. In which December. is crazy. Yeah. So like that second rut season. Yeah. So he's chasing this hot doe. So he's a little, bit, a little bit preoccupied and a little bit distracted. And finally he came in the opening and pulled the trigger and I, you know, no ear protection. So again, we kind of learned some lessons after all this. You think we would get all this by now, but no ear protection. We don't gun hunt very often. No, though. I mean, I that was the first time I gun hunted in a long time. Since Thanksgiving, you killed the one on Chad's behind yeah, my mom. Yeah, just the doe. Yeah, and then the turkey. Yeah. Um. So I could barely hear, but I shot it, and then all of a sudden we saw it kick, obviously, and then Jordan's like Cassandra, Cassandra, and obviously a little bit of smoke and stuff, whatnot after you shoot it, and he's like. He's down. He's down. He's down. I'm like, are you serious? Are you kidding me right now? So Jordan watched him fall less than 20 yards away. Yeah, it was um, pretty close. Yeah, right on this little hedgerow here. And so we didn't want to obviously go see go go see it until we had Phil. So we text Phil, and he's all fired up. So we go back. We brought the truck kind of on the other side because we knew, obviously, we saw him fall. We get all excited, and he's like, the big eight. It's the big eight. And he shows the film, and Phil's like, I don't know. It doesn't look like the big eight to it's me. It's not as big as the big eight. It's not as big as the big eight. Um and went up to this deer, and it was by far the biggest Michigan buck I've ever shot. It's an eight-point, beautiful deer, and I was just thrilled. And, you know, I think, too, like Jordan said, I think it's a testament to Phil and just the person he is. I, I know Phil would probably never shoot that buck. Um, you know, Phil's standards are a second to They're none. They're next level. They are next level, and for him to, one, let us hunt his property is just shows what a kind of a person he is. Mm-hmm. But then, two, letting, him, letting me shoot a buck. Of that size. And again, for me, it was the biggest buck. I was tickled to death. But, um, you know, to have him so excited and authentically just happy for me to be able to take a buck like that, it just speaks to him and what kind of person he is. So I finally have, and that was actually my second buck from Michigan. So the first one was the spike, you know, 15 years prior. And then this this buck, the eight point that I shot. You do have that. I think you've killed the bigger buck than me in Michigan now. Yes, there we go. I'll take it. So So she's, she's beating me in one state. We're not competitive at all. <laughs> I got her in three others. And hashtag humble brag. Humble brag. No, not humble on that one. Nope. I'm not going to be humble with Cassandra. Not at all. Ouch. So, Tough crowd. Well, I appreciate you talking and coming on. I know this was on the priority list of things you wanted to do tonight. <laughs> so anyway, that's Cassandra Risky, my wife. And I thank you. Yeah, no, not what I'll say is, um, you know, I, when we think back to in 2013 when we were just getting started, the whole thought was it started off with just being able to film our own hunts and then also getting more youth and females and women involved in the outdoors. And, you know, hunting on, on as a totality of the of the hobby is, is going on a downhill. And what I'll say is, you know, for, for any female that is interested in hunting, interested in being in the woods, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to kind of share my experiences. Like I mentioned, um, I'm pretty type A and I don't like to slow down very often. And so hunting for me is that that outlet that allows me to actually take time and be peaceful and allow to kind of experience God's creation and truly kind of feel this, this sense of um, like almost like aliveness. And so I would just say to any females that are out there that have an interest in hunting or want to learn more, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to chat about it and give you all the tips and tricks of gear that I like. Um, you know, no 
questions and dumb questions. So again, I know that I can't, I can't quite pull back the weight that Jordan can. I don't have the same gear that Jordan does, but you know, don't let any kind of limitation or, you know, inexperience keep you from hunting and getting involved. How, what's your Instagram so someone can get a hold of you? Cassandra underscore risky, I believe. Do you want to check? I should probably check that. (laughs) So feel free to reach out, send me a message. But um, like I mentioned, I'm I'm really passionate. It's yep, Cassandra Cassandra underscore risky. C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A underscore R-I-S-K-E. Yep, you've got it. So I'm really passionate about it. Um, Again, and I think it's it's also one of those things that don't feel like you you can't hunt because you're female or. You know, oh, I don't have the experience. I've never hunted before. Don't let that stop you. You know, or, never... or guys that you think you might yeah. want your girlfriend to get involved, and if they want to just like chat with somebody and just like hear their experience, you would love to chat. You would love to talk yeah. with somebody. Absolutely. Anytime. She loves it almost as much as I do. No, he's a <laughs> he's next level. He's what we call obsessed. Like honestly, it's ridiculous. Oh, anyway. No. So thanks for having me on, Jordan. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. (laughs) Thanks, babe. Thanks for coming on, Cassandra. I appreciate it. I know that you probably won't listen to this, but uh, we do appreciate you coming on and just kind of sharing your experiences. And guys, if you know any, or girls, if you guys want to reach out to Cassandra, please do so. Encourage your wives or girlfriends or aunts, sisters, cousins, whoever, if they're female and they're even considering it, I really do encourage you. Cassandra has a a pretty cool perspective and would love to just kind of give the the female, you know, ideas of hunting and she just loves talking about it. So get over there, reach out to her. She would love to chat. If you guys are interested in any Risky Outdoors merch, um, you can shoot us a message on Instagram. Um, We have shirts and hats. We'd love to kind of explain as we're getting everything situated with kind of opening up an online store. So get over there, do that, like, share, post on this comment, Um, helps other people find us. So as always, stay stealthy and strive to become a Nimrod.